Hey, this is Youth Ministry with Tyshawn Rowland, and today we are in episode seven, which is exciting because they say that I think it's 95% of podcasts don't make it past episode five. And so we are at episode seven, and I see episode 70 in the near future. But until then, today's episode is my prayer for youth pastors. And before we get into today's episode, I want to give you a book recommendation. And I want to pair this book recommendation with the teaching that I taught on how to grow your youth ministry. I encourage if you have not listened to that episode, I'm telling you, go back and listen to the episode. I think it would bless you. It would give you some practical handles to grow your youth ministry efficiently. But I think oftentimes when we get teachings like that, we can leave very ambitious and we can put rest on the wayside. And I know that I am very, very guilty of this in my personal life. And so this book that I'm recommending is probably no stranger to you when it comes to book recommendations, but it's called The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry by John Mark Comer. I've had this book again for about three years and I just haven't read it because I think deep down in my heart, I love um, working. I like working for things. You know, when people preach and they say, we're, we're not um, working for God, we're working with God. To me, I don't like that. I like working for God. I just like work. I like getting my hands dirty. I like growing things. But I think one of the things I forget is that even God rested. And I think oftentimes that principle is missed in our line of work. So I think if you're a youth pastor, you should model this right now. If there's any time that you need to model this is right now so you can train yourself to be a person of rest in the future. So I encourage you to get this book. Now, I want you to go to your Bibles because we are a holy people and we have our Bibles because that's what you should do. Don't be one of those people. I'm just going to tell you my, my, like, I think everybody has something that a preacher does that kind of like irks them a little bit. I don't like when people get up on the pulpit without their Bibles and they have their iPad outside of their Bibles. It's like, take the word of God up there, man. Go ahead and just, just put it down. You know, let the word of God speak when you just have screens in front of you. I don't know. Anywho, I want you to go to Mark chapter six verse 38. And if you're a youth preacher and you've been preaching at all, or you just love your Bible, you know that this is the story of the five loaves and two fish. And though I know that you probably know it, I'm going to read it anyway, because maybe you haven't read your Bible today and let this be your Bible for the day. Okay. So Mark chapter six, verse 38. And he said to them, how many loaves do you have? Go and see. And when they found out, they said five and two fish. Then he commanded all of them to sit down in groups on the green grass. So they ate down in the groups by the hundreds and by the fifties. And taking the five loaves and two fish, he looked up to the heaven and said a blessing and broke the loaves and gave it to the disciples and set them before the people. And he divided the two fish among them all. And they all ate and they were satisfied. And they took the 12 baskets full of broken pieces of the fish. And those who ate the loaves were about 5,000 men. Now we know. Um, that it was way more than 5,000 men. It was about 10 to 15,000 if you include the women and the children. And I want to take this story in consideration as we talk today. I think out of all the podcasts that I've done, this is probably going to be the most personal simply because I think by this point, by episode seven, hopefully I've earned at least in your mind the standpoint of, okay, he got something to say. He got something to say about these little youth ministry. Maybe Tyshawn is more than these little Fortnite jokes and, you know, these cute little messages. Maybe he has a few principles he could offer. And so hopefully you felt that way as I've um, continued to put out content. But one thing that I really wanted to know is that I wanted to know that you were doing good, not just necessarily that your youth ministry is doing good, but I want to make sure that you're doing good. So today's episode is really about 
you. It's about you, the youth pastor. So you can you can keep your pen out if you like taking notes, but don't take the notes because you're going to give this to your leader to, you know, implement tomorrow and reap the benefits of it next month. I want you to really take in today's episode. I want you to slow down. I know that you probably have had a very busy week. I remember being a youth pastor and like between the phone calls from leaders that are lying, between the parents that are you know, genuinely trying to give you ideas to support you, but those ideas are weighing you down because you're like, I'm trying to do my job. And then you got the campus thing and then you got your other staff responsibilities. And then some of you have families and then some of you are newly married and some of you are in new territory and you're trying to wander and wander in your mind. How do I do this? How do I lead? I know that it is a lot. I am not going to look down on what you do because I remember it. And as God continues to take me into new places and new seasons of my life, I still do look back on old seasons when I was a youth pastor and I remember how hard it is. And so I just want you to set yourself free for the next 20 to 30 minutes. I really want you to just be here, be in the moment, be in the heart to receive, because I really do believe that what you can learn from this particular episode can bless you in your ministry, not just in this season, but I think in more seasons to come. And I wanted to open up the Bible with that particular story just to remind you on what we get to do and how it actually works. So at the end of the day, we get to take the message of the gospel, this beautiful message that is Jesus Christ. You know, I'm recording this the day after Easter, and I got to sit in the church at my home church, Free Chapel, and listen to Pastor Jensen preach a great message and play that sax. That man can play that sax. I'm telling you, I ain't lying. He can play that sax. And I was sitting there in the church service, and I was watching him preach the message of the gospel watching him talk about what happened and why our Savior was crucified and nailed to the cross and the power of his resurrection and what it now provides to everyone that's willing to put their faith in Jesus Christ. And I'm sitting there seeing hundreds, if not thousands of people respond to the message of the gospel. And though only few people can get to do it on such a great scale, I think all of us have an opportunity to do it at some level, at some level of scale, We are preaching the message of the gospel. We are seeing the message go forth. We are seeing what God can do. And it is amazing. But may I remind you, at the end of the day, all he needs is five loaves and two fish. So as you work and as you're working on your messages, as you're trying to create your conference, as you're trying to plan your camp, as you're trying to move forward with ministry endeavors, I want you to keep in mind, all he needs is five loaves and two fish. It's when you give him what you have he can multiply it. I think what I see a lot of us do in ministry, if we're not careful, we'll take what we'll find, we'll five the five loaves and two fish, and instead of taking it to Jesus, we'll just divide it amongst ourselves. We'll take our knife and we'll cut it up and we'll try to feed the people with the bread that we found from a person that we don't know. And we'll try to cook the fish a little bit and make some fish stew because maybe if you give a little bit of, if you get everyone some stew, at least everybody can drink something. We come up with these erroneous conclusions on how to multiply the five loaves and two fish. All he says is bring it to him. So whatever you have, just bring that to him. As you're preparing every week, you just bring the five loaves. It doesn't need to be sophisticated. It could be simple. It could be five loaves. It could be two fish and you can see what he does with it. And I want to encourage you, no matter what ministry you're watching, no matter what ministry has made an impact on your life, you're watching someone's five loaves and two fish be multiplied and make an impact on your life. That's all you're watching. And so don't feel tempted to do more than your ass. Don't feel tempted to run faster than you need to. I want to encourage you, slow down a little bit. Give him what you got and watch him multiply it. And, and I wanted to give you that. I wanted to soften your, your spirit because I'm going to have a lot of defensive blows, okay? You're not going to see these ones coming. They're going to come out of nowhere. Just boom. Oh, did he say that? Yes. 
Yes, I said that. I did say that because there's a lot of things that I want to tell youth pastors because I've been one before. I've been a youth pastor at two different churches and I've been a different youth pastor in two different positions. So I know what it's like at multiple different levels in one particular church. I was over multiple campuses and I saw youth ministries of 30. And then we had a youth ministry at the main location from about anywhere between 150 to 400 if we did our like big, huge nights. And I've been a youth pastor and I know how it is, but I, I, I want to speak candidly as a guy that is only a few years ahead or, few, or has a little bit more experience maybe in the areas of youth ministry that you're growing in right now. And I want to caution you with a few things. I want to remind you that number one, that as you're training the next generation, you are in training yourself. As you're training the next, just know that you're in training. In training for what? I thought my greatest dream was to be a youth pastor. I need to let you know that this is not the only version of you. There's more things that God is going to do in your life. Please don't marry a position. Don't marry any position God gives you in the church because once he tries to take you to a next position to grow your ministry, to grow your voice, to grow your gifts, to grow your talents, it's going to be hard for you and you're going to feel like you're going through a divorce. I've seen people leave youth ministry and you would think they just got a divorce because they left the love of their life that was youth ministry. And God says, I don't want you to fall in love with position. I want you to fall in love with a person being me. And I want you to steward the position I've given you. There's more versions to you. Right now, I know it's hard to think like that because you got a youth camp that you're planning. The last thing on your mind is to be a campus pastor, an executive pastor, a lead pastor one day, or an evangelist. But I just wanted to remind you that where you're at today is where God has you right now. So what you're doing is you are an active training. You are training the next generation and you are in training yourself and you're training yourself right now to become the person that you're called to be in the future. You are in training. Everything you do is in training. I want to say it this way. God is doing a work in you, but if you're not fully aware of it, you'll be too concerned with the work that he could do through you. A lot of us are more concerned with what God is doing through us. Youth ministry, preaching, sermons, engagements, camps, conferences, salvation, schools, clubs, through. In the excitement of what he can do through us, we forget what he wants to do in us. He wants to birth in you a new peace. He wants you to walk in kindness. He wants you to be walk in mercy. He wants you to be a person of character. He wants your integrity to be intact. He wants your speech to change as you go. He wants you to be a person that knows the word. There's so much that he wants to do in you, but I think if we're not careful, we'll be more caught up in what he wants to do through us. And we forget that he actually wants to do something in us. And I see so many youth pastors, and I've been guilty of this before in my life, forfeit the personal growth that God wants to have in my personal ministry by chasing another organic growth that he can have externally through me in ministry. I want you to know that the internal ministry, what God is doing in you needs to be important to you. God wants to do something in you. And my prayer for youth pastors around the world, around the nations, wherever you're watching this from, my prayer for you is that you will be mindful on who you are becoming. I think it's imperative that we are always thinking about who we are becoming. If you were to talk to my wife, her name is Victoria Rowland, and say, what, what is Tyshawn concerned about? She'll say 50. That's where I'm at right now. I am actively thinking about 50. Tyshawn, who are you going to be? 50 is closer to me than 9-11 um, was. 9-11 was in 2001, and I think that's, what, 22 years ago. 
and I'm turning 30 this year and I'll be 50 in 20 years. So 50 is closer to me in distance than 9-11 is in memory. So I'm thinking about 50. I'm thinking about what kind of person am I gonna be? What kind of preacher am I gonna be? What kind of leader am I gonna be? What kind of legacy am I gonna leave? What am I gonna be thinking about? What kind of person, man, am I gonna have kids? How old are they gonna be? Lord Jesus, I hope they have their mother's looks. And I pray they have her brain too, because you know, there's something wrong with me sometimes, church. I, I'm surprised that God be using me the way he uses me. I ain't lying, I'm not lying. But I'm always thinking about 50. And I like thinking about 50 because 50 keeps the long, it keeps longevity in my mind. It, it reminds me that this is a long run, not a short run. It makes me more concerned with what I'm doing than where I'm going, because where I'm going to ultimately end up, I can't see yet. So it's really important for me to think even right now, Tyshawn, who are you becoming? And I think it's important for you as a youth pastor right now to ask yourself, who am I becoming? I know you could talk about what you're building. I know you can talk about who you're building. I know you can talk about what event you're going to throw. I know you can talk about this campus initiative. I know you can talk about all these ideas that you have. I know that you can go down that route, but I don't want to talk about that right now. I want to talk about not what you're building. I want to talk about who you are becoming. And so there's five questions that I'm going to give you to ask yourself. This is going to be one of those episodes that it's more reflective than it is anything. I think the impact of this podcast will go deep as deep as your reflection on it. I don't think that what I'm going to say necessarily is going to have a great profound impact. I think what I'm going to say is going to give you permission to process things that maybe you leading in ministry hasn't given you the time to process. That's why I really want you to be at peace over these next few moments. And so I have five questions. Now with these five questions, I'm also going to give you an exercise to apply these questions so you can get real time answers. I've learned this in my life following God personally, that if you ask God for things, he tends to give it to you like eventually. But if you ask God for insight on your personal life that will lead you like to be a better version of yourself and being more like his son, he tends to give you that immediately. He's like, hey, I'll hold off on the Lamborghini that you so desperately want, but I'll give you a listening ear to the Holy Spirit in a heartbeat if you ask. And so these five questions, I really want to encourage you to ask them, reflect on them. If you need help, invite somebody into processes and see what changes you can make in your life right now to make sure that you're becoming the best version that God has wants you to be. Okay, number one, what kind of pastor am I becoming? Am I becoming a pastor that practices what they preach or excuse why I don't have to apply it? Are you excusing behavior in you that you're actually against happening in other people under you? What kind of pastor are you becoming? Because I think sometimes we've all been under a pastor. I don't want you to put their name in the comments. I mean, you can, they'll be funny. They'll, don't do that. They'll cancel their whole ministerial career. And that's the last thing we need. But we've all been under a pastor that we kind of felt, and we can be honest. You're like, man, that was kind of like, kind of hypocritical. Like, whoa, you, you say one thing, but you live another and you peel back and you see that the person that you were looking up to in ministry, it seemed like minister was a role that they played. It wasn't a reality they walked in. 
It wasn't the way that they were actually living their life according to the way of the Bible told a minister to live their life. And maybe you saw something and you made a decision in your life. You're like, hey, I still want to be in ministry. And by the way, if you did encounter that in ministry, let me say this. I'm sorry. I'm sorry if you had an example in leadership that probably didn't fulfill your expectation of what a leader was supposed to be. I'm sorry if you had a leader take advantage of you at a place that you weren't supposed to be taken advantage at and maybe you went through something that was horrific. I don't want to just grasp by what I just said. I do believe that church hurt is real in cases. I do believe that people go through pain and I do believe that oftentimes people that shouldn't be afforded um, opportunities in leadership still occupy that seat and unfortunately don't steward it the way that God has asked them to. And oftentimes times what they tend to do is that they hurt people in this role that God has positioned them in. If you've been hurt by a leader, if you've been hurt by a church, if you've been hurt by a ministry, I just want to tell you personally, I am so sorry about, about that. I'm so, so sorry about that. And I pray that God heals you. I pray that you don't leave the church. I pray that it doesn't change the way that you view leadership. I hope you know there's still good leaders out there. As an evangelist, I travel a lot. And I meet a lot of good pastors, a lot of good people, a lot of good men and women that are actually better behind the scenes than they are on the pulpit. And they're always great on pulpit, by the way. And so I just want to encourage you with that. But I think we all have leaders that have 100% shown us a side of leadership that we made a decision to say, I never want to be that. I'm never going to do that. I'm not going to talk down on my leaders. I'm not going to make false promises. I'm not going to treat them a certain way. I'm not going to elevate my name. I'm not going to use the power to hurt them. We've all made these promises, but now you're in a place of ministry. I have to ask you the question, what kind of pastor are you becoming? Are you becoming more like that horrific person that you said you'll never be? Or are you becoming a better version of that and you're doing the best you can to ensure that you're not repeating the mistakes of the past? I want to ask you, do you still have a soft heart as a pastor? Are you still open to correction as a pastor? Are you still actually listening and leading the people? Or have you begun to be a person that uses a pastor as a profession? It's just a career that you have. It's just a box that you check off. It's just you have your few things that you do every week, and this it is. It is what it is. I'm not going to put my heart into it. I think one of the things that I wanted to put on here as an exercise is that respond to altar calls if your church has them. And if your church doesn't have them, have them at home. Make sure you're still responding to altar calls. Make sure you're still walking in a soft spirit. Make sure you're still listening and in tune with the voice of God. I know that you can put pen to paper and come up with a strategy to reach that school and connect them to this event and put them in the simulation program and ensure after they come to the first time guest visitors booth, they'll be indoctrinated with all things church values and then they'll be a student. I know you can do all that. I know that. But can you just put pen to paper and say, God, what do you want to do in me? God, what are you doing in me? God, what, what, who do I need to forgive? What, what, what do I need to slow down on? Am I becoming a good pastor? Am I pastoring the people? I know I'm building something for the people, but underneath their talents, I'm not just trying to develop a great team. I'm trying to disciple a young soul. I need to make sure that I'm pastoring. Are you pastoring? Because I want to remind you that you get to have the privilege of shepherding the next generation. So pastor well. I want you to preach. I want you to plan. I want you to prepare. But I want you to remind you that you are a pastor. So make sure that you're pastoring. What kind of pastor are you becoming? What kind of pastor are you becoming? Now, here's a good way. If you want to go the extra mile with this, 
I would encourage you to talk to your team. Talk, bring in maybe two or three of your core leaders that will keep it real with you and say, hey, what is it like to be on the other side of me as a pastor? Give them their permission permission to speak candidly. This is not their opportunity to tear you down. This is not their opportunity to cuss you out. You know, I've been waiting for this opportunity, man. No, no, they're not going to do that. Give them the, give them the, the caution. Hey, I'm looking for what can I do better in me pastoring you? And whatever they say, don't come up with an excuse on, now I'm going to tell you that's how I'm supposed to be. No, no, no. Because if you do that now, you're going to grow into that type of pastor that does that then. You don't want to be that pastor that never allows people to speak into your leadership because if they can't speak into it right now, just think about this for a second. I want you to, I like to tell this to anybody that I talk to on the phone. I said, this is the least responsible you ever be right now. Right now is the least responsible you ever be. This is the least amount of notoriety you'll ever have. This is the least amount of opportunity you'll ever have. This is the least amount of money you'll ever have right now. And how you're stewarding this right now is how you're going to govern that thing later. So right now in your stewardship of leadership, make sure that maybe somebody can speak candidly to you with how you lead so you become the best kind of pastor that you want to be. You don't want to be a person that by the time you get to 31 years old or 32 years old, you get correction and you go crazy because you've never been receiving it because for many, many years you've been running from it. No, get that right now. What do you need to work on? Oh, you're a pastor that wants to get better for their sheep. I do. And I know deep down in your heart, you want to too. So make sure you're becoming a better pastor. Write this question down. Ask yourself, pause this right now. What kind of pastor am I becoming? And ask yourself that question. Number two, what kind of leader am I becoming? What kind of leader are you becoming? That's a good question to ask yourself. And when I say leadership, I mean, are you being a good steward of the people, the resources, and the opportunities that he's put in front of you? In the parable, when Jesus is talking about the manager, are you the one that he gives the two talents to and you give him back four when he comes back because you multiplied what he gave you? Or are you the one that he gave you one thing and you hid it away and you gave it back to him the same exact way he gave it to you? I'm a firm believer that anything God puts in my head, he expects me to multiply and make it better. If there's a person he puts in front of me, if I was a youth pastor again, my core team, he gave me them to multiply them and make them better. He gave me these students to multiply and make them better. He gave me this opportunity to multiply it and make it better. I think sometimes in our desire to grow in our preaching or maybe our desire to grow in creativity, we forget to grow in our leadership. We forget to ask ourselves, okay, this preaching stuff, my algorithm, the, the social media stuff, okay, great. Outside of that, are you growing in your leadership right now? Because if you don't prioritize leadership right now, you're not going to prioritize it later. I think sometimes growth can be a punishment if you don't do it every day. And I know a lot of people that they don't like growing, they don't like reading, they don't like podcasting, they don't like listening to things and applying things. And so the idea of reading a book is like, oh my gosh, I don't want to read a book. I don't want to listen to an audio book. I don't want to apply this. Can I just do this the way that you do that? Is that the way you want to go through life though? Ask yourself a greater question because if you don't change it now as a youth pastor, you're not going to change it when you get to your next thing. Because right now, again, remember, as you're training the next generation, you are in training yourself. Now you have to learn some things now that you're in this room of, of youth ministry. And I get it. There's some people on the other side of this. You are sitting in the seat and you're watching this podcast You because you're like, I don't even have what it takes to do this job. I don't even know how I got this job. 
I, I'm just trying to get better. I'm trying to do better. And, you know, I'm just trying to maintain sanity and not go crazy as I'm growing this ministry. I get it. I understand. Maybe you're not fully qualified. And and I think that's true in how God does things. He often takes people that are unqualified and he puts us in positions. Uh, I love the proverb that says your gift will make room for you. I love that. Don't you just love that? Especially the people that are watching and you're and you're like, I'm gifted. I know I'm gifted. There's some people that are watching. You're like, I feel so gifted. And you should feel that way because God gave you that gift without repentance. That's how good God is. He gives you gifts that get you into rooms. Now, the Bible says your gift will get, make room for you. But the Bible doesn't say that your gift will make you ready for the room you walk in. It is up to you to learn things while you're in the room that he's put you in. It is up to you to be a better leader. It is up to you to read. It is up to you to steward. It is up to you to sacrifice what it takes to be a better leader. Maybe you don't go to that conference that everyone's going to because you need to go to this conference that's going to grow this area of your leadership. Maybe you choose growing as a leader over connecting with the youth pastor just to get that creative moment or or xyz i want to make sure that you're growing in your leadership because god is going to give you another opportunity and they're not going to be teenagers i know that's crazy god is going to give you another opportunity one day to steward some staff and they're not all going to be young adults some of these people god's going to ask you to steward some of them are going to have families some of them are going to have retirement packages on their forefront of their mind, and they're going to be looking at this young 30-year-old something or late 20-something-year-old leader, lead them. And you can't lead them with tips and tricks that you learn from leading teenagers. Grow in your leadership now. Work on your leadership now. Be a good steward of what God gives you right now. Everything that he's gave you, make it better. Make it better, not just for you, but make it better for the next guy coming behind you. Like you, if you do your job right, there should be some people that can come behind you and take it. If you do your job right, they won't have to hire out. They can hire within. If you do your job right, the next person will beat the records that it took you years to create. If you do it right, you're going to give it to them better. You're going to give it to them bigger. You're going to give it to them better. It, you're not going to give it to them if you had 220. You're not going to give them 500, but maybe you can give them 35 over the two years of you leading this or the next few months as you lead this, maybe you can grow it just incrementally. Maybe you can grow your leaders. What is it going to take for you to be a good leader? Maybe you're going to have to read some books. If you're not reading books, I encourage you to read. I'm glad that you're watching this podcast. That means that you're growing at a level of your leadership, but do this in every area. Just don't work on the parts that you like. Work on the parts that you want to avoid. Work on the thing that you like. You know, it's like that class you don't want to go to. You're going to have to go to it willingly or you're going to have to go through it because of a mistake. Go through it willingly. Just learn leadership now. An exercise you can do as a pastor for the first question, I wanted you to go to people that were affected by you being a pastor. When it comes to your leadership, an exercise that I want you to do is go to your upline and ask them, how can I do my job better? Essentially, what you're asking them is, how can I be a better leader? How can I be a good staff member? How can I be a good staff team member? Maybe they'll point out something in you that you can begin to work on. Maybe you're a great youth pastor, but maybe you're not a good team member because you don't even know what's going on in the children's ministry right now. You don't even know what's going on with the other ministries. You're just so focused on your on you. Maybe your your leader can help you with your leadership. Invite people into your life so you can grow as a leader. Do this now. Do this now. So you're not one of those leaders that gets bigger opportunity, but doesn't know how to handle it because they're still using these tips and tricks that they learned from leading teenagers. You don't want that. 
You want to be a leader that grows. You want a leader. You want to be a leader that gets better. So I want to encourage you to multiply what you've been given. Make it better. Make the leaders better. Make the ministry better. Any opportunity that gets in front of you, whether your pastor asks you to do something that's on your job description or not, do good at those two. Make sure. Like I like to think about this when it comes to working at a church. Like not everyone in the world, everyone has a calling, but there's only few people that God handpicks and says, I want you to work for me. I want you to work in my church. I, I want you to be a shepherd over these people. And I like considering what I do something that God handpicked me for because it keeps me understanding what Colossians says when it says everything you do work like you're working into the Lord. Become a good leader of the resources because those are God's resources. Become a good leaders for those leaders that you're leading because those are God's leaders. Make sure that you're becoming everything that he's calling you to be, not because you have a great senior pastor that you're trying to impress or a supervisor that you want to win their approval for. No, you're doing this because you're working unto the Lord. You want to give God something back to him better that he gave you. That's how you can tell God, thank you, by the way. Thank you for giving me this youth ministry. I'm going to give it back to you better. Thank you for giving me these leaders. I'm going to give it back to you better. God, thank you so much for all these leadership obstacles and opportunities and hurdles that you've given me. God, I'm going to learn, I'm going to grow, and I'm going to give it back to you better. Let's not be the leaders that hide. You know the leader that hides. They they hide, they they run, they cower, they just, they give it back to, they, they choose maintaining over multiplying. Don't maintain what he's giving you, multiply it. So ask yourself a tough question. Only you will know this. Am I being a good leader? Or Am I the same kind of leader I was six months ago? Am I the same? Am I using the same tactics I learned three years ago? Have I challenged myself? Have I got out of my comfort zone as a leader? Have I stepped out and did something that was uncomfortable to get better for the thing that I'm leading and the people that I'm stewarding? Am, am I becoming better? Ask yourself that question. But the exercise that I would give you is to go ask your supervisor, really, for real. Say, hey, how can I get better? And it's an easy conversation. And make it easy for them to lead you, by the way. Make it easy for them to give you feedback. When you go to a supervisor and you say, what can I do to get better? You become their favorite person that they lead, by the way. If you want to win the approval of your leader, I'm going to give you the secret sauce to winning the approval of your leader. Go up to them and say, what can I do that's better for my job? What can I do better in my job? They will give you that. And if you apply what they say, and you go to them and ask them again, I'm telling you, you're just teaching them that you're teachable. And a teachable person gets promoted. A teachable person has their dreams come true in the places that they are resided in. A teachable person tends to get a lot of favor than the person that runs away and cowers and hides from opportunities to be a better leader. So I want to encourage you, become a better leader. Hey, are you enjoying this podcast? I really enjoyed recording it. I, I wanna also make you aware of a resource that I have just for youth pastors or youth leaders that are teaching or preaching to young people. It is a course called How to Preach with to Gen Z. I took about four or five hours just to put it together for you. And if you want it, go ahead. The link is in my description. It's also in my link tree. And I pray it blesses you or maybe someone that you know. Now get back to listen to that phenomenal podcast. And hey, that's an anointed man of God, ain't he? Question number three, this one's gonna hurt. That's why I put it in the middle. This one was like the, this is the one that I really want you to consider. And you may pause the podcast after this question and really go have a good 
conversation with your spouse. At least I hope you do. Because the question for number three is, what kind of spouse are you becoming? What kind of spouse are you becoming? I think it's imperative that we become better spouses than becoming better speakers. I I think we should put a priority on our heart and on our mind and on our focus and on our time management and put that towards our family because I see a lot of people sacrificing their family in hopes to get the ministry that's in their heart. A few questions I put on here is, how are you leading your family while trying to learn this ministry? How are you leading your family? It just, it makes you think. Another question, are you sacrificing family for ministry or ministry for family? Number three, are you getting in trouble for choosing family or are you getting in trouble for choosing ministry? Last question. Are you informing your spouse of what you're going to do with the ministry or are you involving your spouse with what she or he can bring to the ministry? These are questions I want to encourage you to have an answer for. And if you don't like the answer to the question, go to your spouse and change it. Because I'm I'm a person that I have worked at a lot of churches. I have visited a lot of churches. And I'll tell you, the great church position comes and it goes. The church position, uh, the church that you're at right now may not be the church you're going to be at for five years from now. The church position that you have right now may not be the position you're going to have seven years from now. Don't lose your family for something that's temporal. Don't do that. Make sure the thing that you know you're going to have, the only thing that I know for a fact, Lord willing, that I'm going to have 30 years from now is my wife. I may not have all the preacher dreams I have. I may not get all to do all the things that I have a desire to do. I may not preach all the sermons I want to preach. I I, I probably won't have any of those things. And even if I do, the thing I'm going to have between now and then is the Holy Ghost and not my dog, the actual Holy Ghost and my wife. So why would I give more attention to things that aren't going to be there in the future instead of the partner that's going to be with me every day of that future? I see so many people choosing their job over their ministry, over their family. I see people choosing speaking engagements over family. I see people choosing um, to connect with this pastor than to talk to their mother. I see people choosing this over there that's not going to build anything but temporal ministerial high than instead of building this, the actual family, the governance that God put you in, the blood that he said, Listen, my blood saved you, but I made your blood the same type as theirs for a reason. Connect with your brother. Connect with your sister. Connect with your spouse. Make sure you're connecting with your family. Don't choose, don't put your family on the altar of ministry. One of my friends recently, John Lorenzo, who just had his second baby, was scheduled to preach at a conference. And it was around, it was closer to his wife's due date than he thought. And there was some, I think there was a little bit of complications and maybe the nurse or the doctor communicated, hey, you know, maybe Natalie may have to have the baby a little bit early, maybe or maybe not. John decided right then and there, I'm not going to the conference. The doctor didn't say the baby was going to be born tomorrow, didn't say the baby was going to even be born that week. But because of the circumstance at home, John says, I'm not choosing a conference, not going to choose a 
camp. I'm not choosing the engagement. I'm going to be at home with my family. I'm only going to have my second child once. I'm only going to go through this second pregnancy like this once. There, there's so many conferences and camps and preaching opportunities. Can I say that? You were always going to be asked. If you weren't asked this year, you'll be asked next year. If you're not asked next year, you'll be asked later on in your life when you're older. And you're probably not even going to want to do it because you're going to be so focused on loving your kids and loving your families. You're going to say, you know what? I don't even want to do it. There's always another preaching opportunity. There's not every day with your spouse. There's not every day with your bride. There's not every day with your husband. And sure, ask yourself the tough question. How am I leading? Am I involving them or am I informing them? Hey, babe, this is what we're going to do. Or, hey, babe, what do you think we should do? What, what do you think? What's your, babe, I was considering this. What, what were you considering? I, I remember when I first got married, um, I, I had a very weird, and I look back on it a lot, I had a very weird start to ministry after I got married. I became a youth pastor at Free Chapel, and I feel like my life changed overnight. Like I just went through this 180 and I went from a guest experience director at Elevation Church to a youth pastor at Free Chapel. And God just blew on the youth ministry. And in him blowing on the youth ministry, people began to know who I was. People were inviting me. I remember this guy texting me saying, hey, can I fill out the form to book you? I was like, oh, my Lord, it is happening. The bookings are coming in week one. Here we go. And I remember looking at my wife and being like, babe, should I do this? Should we do this? I didn't know that year I was going to continue to get opportunities. And let me just be honest. I had to make tough decisions and it wasn't the tough decision to say yes to something that I wanted to say yes to. It was the, it was a tough decision to say no when I wanted to say yes, because my wife said no, because my wife said, no, we're not going to focus on that in this season. Since then, since I started in youth ministry, I've always involved my wife with big opportunities. Hey, babe, what do you think? What do you think? Now, as an evangelist, my, my wife says, you better say, yeah, you better get out the house. You better go. But there was a season I wasn't. And I'm so glad that I involved her instead of informing her, because now it's easier to involve her in big things now because I started involving her early. So I want to encourage you. Leading your spouse does not mean not involving them. It just means leading them. But make sure you involve them and make sure you tell them. Make sure they say yes. Don't force them to say yes. Don't say, babe, I'm never going to get this opportunity again. No, you will get this opportunity, but you'll never get this moment with her again. A year from now, you'll have a kid and you'll look back saying, man, I wish I would have, but I chose that ministry moment over, over time with my wife. I mean, I wish I didn't because now that I get older, I realize the best thing that God has given me is time with my family. So ask yourself this question today. What kind of spouse are you becoming? Are you becoming the spouse that cares way more about ministry than your marriage? You can say that you're not. I remember I used to say that I wasn't, but I was. Because sometimes Instagram and sometimes opportunities and sometimes conference stages and green rooms convince you that other things should be priorities outside of your family. But I have to ask myself this question, not just once a year. I have to ask myself this like once a week. What kind of spouse are you becoming, Tyshawn? Are you becoming a better spouse than you are a speaker? If you are, then you're winning. And if you're becoming a better speaker than you are a spouse, you are losing. I want to encourage you, be a good spouse. And the exercise for this would be you leaving this podcast, asking your spouse, what can I do better when it comes to being a spouse and being a youth pastor? 
Is there anything that you've noticed that I'm not doing good on when it comes to affirming you? Give them an opportunity. Give them a runaway. Don't ask the question in such a way they don't give you an answer. You know you answer the question right when whatever they say hurts. If what they say next hurts you to the core and you makes you want to unsubscribe, that's how you know you did it right. So go ask your spouse. Okay, number four. What kind of co-laborer am I becoming? What kind of co-laborer am I becoming? Are you becoming the person that when you see God doing things in other ministries and other ministers, that you champion it, you celebrate it, you encourage it, you sow into it? Are you one of those people that when you see it, you criticize it, you compete with it, you tear it down, you you judge it from a distance, you assume things from it? What, what kind of co-labor are you becoming? Because I want to speak on something that I see everywhere. And I think we need to decide what kind of people we're going to be when it comes to this. And that is competition in ministry. I see it. I see it everywhere. I see it in every season. I see it in a lot of different people. And I don't think we have to be as competitive as we are. Now, I'm not against competition. Some people say, well, no, be against competition. I don't think the competition in and of itself is evil. I think us as competitors are evil. I think our hearts, our motives, the way our mindsets, I think it's up to us to keep a pure heart and a pure perspective on what we do. I love just church. I believe church is like an art. I believe church is like something you can go to college and just love. It's like a genre of music to me. It's like an art, just like comedy is. It's something that I look at and I appreciate. I appreciate how multiple different personalities, multiple different cities, regions, different personality types do this thing called the local church. I love seeing different people mobilize. I love how you do it from a teaching point of view. I love how you do it from a preaching point of view. I love churches that build on systems. I love churches that are built around the spirit. I love different parts of it. I just love the art. And I've learned this, loving the art and keeping my heart pure towards the art is always going to make it okay when God raises up other artists, other preachers, other leaders, other orators of the gospel and their different mediums of way of communication, God's beautiful message called the gospel. I can look at them to compete or I can look at them and I can celebrate because I love the art. I love the art. I want to encourage you. Love the art. If you, if you are more concerned with becoming the best preacher than just becoming the best preacher that God has called you to be, it's going to make it hard for you. If you're committed to being the best preacher, it's going to make it hard for you to celebrate someone who has a different sound than you. It's going to be hard when you see someone getting bigger opportunities than you. If it's all about you, it's going to be hard in the long run. You'll compete with everybody. But if there's any person you should compete with, it should be you. I'll tell you what, no matter how good I feel like I preach sometimes. I never preach as good as the person in my head. This guy, this guy up here, mine, Tyshawn. Oh my God. He sounds like he's the best, one of the best preachers I've ever heard. And every time I preach, I can never keep up to this guy in my head. I'm chasing this guy. I'm seeing how God is raising up other people. I'm celebrating. I'm championing it. I'm getting behind it. I'm encouraging it. I'm saying, man, I pray that God continues to open doors for you. But I don't let what God is doing in them make me doubt what God is doing in me. What kind of co-labor are you becoming? I have a few questions on here, and I want to stay on this for a little bit because I think it's really, really important. How do you react when you see somebody succeeding in ministry? Are you happy or are you hateful? Are you the person that see it and you're like, that's so cool? Or are you the person that sees it and you're like, they're stupid. Why them? 
Who are they? Why is God doing that? I'll tell you what, they have a bad heart. They're not going to last. You ever you ever hear someone, you, you talk about some, something that God is doing through someone in ministry, and there's always that hater in the room like, yeah, but it ain't going to last. We'll see it in five years. It's like, we're not in five years right now. The, he just posted this five minutes ago, and this is really cool. How do you support another work or support another worker? Do you have a youth pastor that you're just encouraging? Hey, man, I love what you're doing. Do you have a, a youth pastor in your city? Do you even know youth pastors in your city? I, I find it crazy that we know youth pastors across the country, but we don't know youth pastors in our own city. How are you supporting the work that's right next to you? Hey, bro, I want to encourage you to keep going. I saw the message that you preached. That's amazing. want to encourage you X, Y, and Z. How are you supporting another work? I wrote this down. Don't be a ministry hater. Be a ministry supporter. Be a person that when you see God using somebody, you celebrate it. You champion it. You get behind it. And you sow into it because when you celebrate somebody, I truly do believe this. I love being a celebrator of people. If you don't have anybody celebrating you, let me know. I will celebrate you because I truly believe when you sow encouragement to a person, what's what they reap is their calling in full effect. I think it's so important to say, hey, keep going. You know, I remember one time I heard T.D. Jake say this. He said, I want to be the kind of person that I don't want to be like Saul. I want to clap when I see David coming. What a bar. What a bar. I want to clap when I see David coming. Man, that's amazing. When he said that, I made a decision. I said, hey, I want to clap if I see him coming too. If Because we're so convinced we're David. If God is raising up somebody else or someone around me and I'm a person that I'm cowering and watching God raise up another person, I want to clap too. Be a person that gives flowers. Decide right now that you're going to be a co-laborer that gets behind other people, that prays for other people, that encourages other people, that shows up not to judge a work, but to sow into a work. Don't sow malice now. Watch your heart right now. I want to I really challenge you as a youth pastor. Watch how you make assumptions about other people that you do not know. Well, no, I'll tell you everything. I know everything I need to know about them. Look at their Instagram. Look at your Instagram. Does your Instagram tell the whole story? No. Some of you are like, I don't even use it. Exactly. It doesn't tell the whole story. So their Instagram, despite no matter how many times uh, they post, you don't know their whole life. I am always shocked by people who make decisions about people on social media. I had someone recently reach out to me and they were telling me how they thought they knew who I was simply because of Instagram. And as we were on the phone, they were like, man, you're not the way I thought you were, I'm like, of, of course, of course I'm not. I, and I want to be a co-laborer that assumes the best of other people, not the worst. I want to assume that people are going to get better, not get worse. I want to assume that on the other side, that youth pastor over there, he needs encouragement. And I'll just tell you this, everybody needs encouragement. Even the person that you think is smiling all the time, even the person that's putting out all the content, even the person that you think they're in the perfect church, they have the perfect marriage, they have the perfect life, even that person needs encouragement. Don't be so quick to assume something about somebody. Let's not characterize people so we can become competitive towards them. Let's assume the best about people. Let's make sure we're becoming co-laborers that are supporting one another. I want to champion you. I want to encourage you to champion others. Don't make this ministry journey about you. I know you want your flowers, but give out some while you wait on yours. Just give out some. Tell some people they're doing good. Tell some people that God is proud of them. Tell some people that you see what's what's going on. You've noticed the growth. I'm always surprised how the best encouragement that I get comes from somebody in my field. 
Like, I think sometimes we think we want somebody that's like a father in our life to look at us and say, I'm so proud of you. But oftentimes it's people in our field that are peers that say, hey, man, I saw how you said that. I saw how you did that. I saw how you navigated that. Just want you to know I'm proud of you. Let's be people that are becoming better co-laborers. Are you a good co-laborer? Are you supporting people or are you judging people? Because if you judge it right now, if you're judging youth pastors, I just want to let you know you're going to be that person judging senior pastors. You're going to be that person judging other worship leaders, judging other evangelists, judging other preachers and people that God raised up. So kill that in you now. Is this the kind of person you want to be? No. And if it is, something's wrong with you. Something's really, really wrong with you and you need to change. But I don't think that is the person that you want to be. I don't think you want to be held hostage by living in this weird, competitive world that we call youth ministry. I don't think you want that. I think you want to do it unencumbered by being concerned with what other people are doing or what other people are saying. I think you want to be yourself. You want to be your God-given, unique, creative self that he's given you in this season to steward this great ministry. You don't want to be distracted or compare yourself amongst yourselves, as the Bible says. You want to be a person that celebrates the work that you see in other people. What kind of co-laborer are you becoming? What kind of youth pastor are you becoming? Are you a supporter or are you a hater? It's okay to be a hater. Just change, change, become a supporter. I think we've all had hard talks with ourselves and realized that maybe my perspective is wrong. Maybe I need to change the way I'm seeing these things. Maybe I need to change the way I'm seeing other people. I think that question would be really, really helpful. And a good exercise would be this. How often do you connect with youth pastors in your city? And if you don't even know youth pastors in your city, get to know some youth pastors in your city. Celebrate them, champion them, get behind them, support them. As you do it with them, watch God will do it with you. Last question, okay? Last question, the fifth question is this. What kind of person are you becoming? When you go home and you take off the ministry hat and you take off the spouse hat, and maybe for some of you, you take off the dad hat, you take off all these hats, what kind of person are you personally becoming? Are you growing in your patience? Are you growing in your kindness? Are you growing in your discipline? Are you becoming a person that grows? Are you becoming a person that loves the church? Are you becoming a person that despises the church? Are you becoming a person that's growing in the things of God? Or are you a person that are running away from the things of God because of the work it's going to take? What kind of person are you becoming? Are you walking with the Spirit? Or are you just walking by structure? What kind of person are you becoming? I, I think sometimes we can convince ourselves that we're walking purposes, but we're not. You're not a walking youth pastor. You're not a walking preacher. You're not a walking X, Y, Z. You're a walking person. And God forbid you become a great preacher, forgetting to become a great person. What kind of person are you becoming? Ask yourself, are you growing? Are you watching what you say? Are you talking better of people? Or are you talking worse of people? Are you talking more positive? Or are you talking more negative? Are you spending more time with God? Or are you running away from God? Are you becoming disciplined in your eating and in your habits? Or are you not creating structure around those things because they don't matter to you? What kind of person are you becoming? I think if we work on our person, our soul, our mind, our spirit, if we work on those things, I think it will keep us working better at all those things that I asked before. It'll make it easy if you're malleable to God's voice. Are you a person that is in tune with his voice? Are you talking to him? Is he talking to you? If he is, what is he saying? After he's saying it, are you applying it? 
After applying it, are you seeing the benefits from it? What do you say after that? Because obviously he's going to say something else because you listened to the last thing he said. Are you talking to the Holy Spirit? What kind of person are you becoming? I, I, I want to make sure that I never become a great preacher or a great pastor and not become a great person. I never want to get so good at putting together sentences that I never know how to be patient when someone's in front of me. I want to be kind everywhere I go, not just in greeter rooms. I want to be patient everywhere that I go, not just at conferences or, you know, in church events. I want to make sure that as a person, holistically, I'm growing in discipline. I'm growing in wisdom. The Bible says that Jesus grew in wisdom and in stature. What does that mean? What kind of person was he becoming? He was becoming a person that was growing in wisdom. Are you growing in your wisdom? Here's a good way to ask yourself. Are you responding the same way today that you were responding a year ago? If so, start growing, change, respond better, react better, work on what you got to work on, work on your soul. Maybe some of you, if you're watching this, maybe you haven't gone to a counselor, maybe your church can help you with that. And maybe you need to process things in your mind or process things from your past because you want to make sure that you're taking care of your mind and your soul. That's important. What kind of person are you becoming? I think this is a good question. Are you working out? Are you eating healthy? Well, Tyshawn, that doesn't matter. You know what? It kind of does matter because I remember when I was a youth pastor, the way that I would deal with stress, it was easier to just go eat a long time because uh, eat a lot of the time because no one talks bad about that sin. We preach about all the other sins that you can go to, but no one talks about, man, eating, uh, throwing a four by four down, you know, animal style fries. And then you drive over to McDonald's for a Big Mac. You got, you got yourself something else. No one really talks about that, but I'll tell you, that's what I was doing. There were some nights I was so stressed out. You know what I ran to? Food. Because I wasn't thinking about what person I was in becoming. Now I have to think, Ty, what kind of person you're becoming? Because you're not just a walking purpose. You're a walking person. And I got to make sure that I'm working on the person of Tyshawn just as much as the purpose of Tyshawn. If I negate the person and chasing the purpose, I'm going to become a person I never wanted to be. But when you prioritize, man, I'm going to be a good person. It's amazing how you'll handle every purpose opportunity with great efforts. You'll handle everything given to you. You'll multiply everything given to you. You'll grow on all these questions that I told you to ask of yourself. Make sure you're becoming a better person. And I think the best person to ask if you're getting better is the Holy Spirit. And I'll tell you my favorite time with God is my favorite time every day is the time I spend with God. It's the times I laugh with my wife, the times I play with my dog, Times I study a little bit, times I play Fortnite, but my favorite time is when I'm walking in the woods behind our house and I begin to pray to God about a few things and I begin to talk to him and he begins to talk to me and he says, work on this. I want you to work on that. I want you to call that person. I want you to forgive. I want you to slow down here. I want you to speed up there. I want you to go there. I don't want you to go there. And he begins to speak to me. And I know that, man, I'm becoming a better person when the Holy Spirit is leading me. You know, Joshua, when he was stepping into a position of leadership after taking the mantle off of Moses when he died, one of the main things God told him was, hey, I want you to meditate on the word of God day and night. I want you to meditate on it. If you're given a position of leadership, you know, one of the main things you should do is make sure you're meditating on his word and listening to his voice and walking in accordance to his word. When you do these things, you will reap so many benefits. It's not just about what kind of youth pastor am I becoming or what about things in my building. It's about who am I becoming? 
I hope this podcast was an encouragement to you. I really want to encourage you to work on yourself personally. I'm going to pray for you. And, um, and and I don't want you to skip over this prayer. I don't want you to leave. I really want you, if you can, maybe lift your hands. I know it's weird. Maybe if you're in your car, uh, pull over. Maybe. I don't know. I just really want to pray over you that you would be encouraged to stop performing and to walk in the purpose that God has given you. I want to pray for you to encourage you to stop trying to imitate another ministry. Just walk in to the God-given ministry that he's giving you. That instead of imitating your forefathers, that you just imitate the faith they have, not the ways that they did certain things. I want to pray that God reminds you that he is not calling you to be a copycat. He wants you to be an original. Do it your way. Say it your way. I know it sounds weird, but be that. It was probably weird the first time Moses put his hand out and the sea split. It was probably weird the first time that Joshua saw the walls of Jericho fall. It was probably weird the first time Peter walked on water. It's always weird when you're walking in obedience. Be who he's called you to be. I want to pray for every youth pastor. Heavenly Father, I thank you for every youth pastor and their family. God, I thank you for the church you placed them in. I thank you for the team you placed them on. God, I pray pray for the work that's in their hand. Lord, I pray that you bless them, that you would strip away the stress of trying to be another person, trying to imitate another ministry. God, I pray that you remind them that the uniqueness that they walk in is a uniqueness that you gave them. God, I pray that you bless their work. God, the five loaves and two fish that they give you, God, I pray that you would multiply it. Multiply their leadership, multiply their ministries, multiply their efforts. God, I pray that their hand will find success for those planning a camp or planning a conference. God, I pray that you would be on that camp, that you would be on their conference. For the people that are watching, that are believing for resources to come in to make the event happen, God, I pray your provision on those resources, God. I pray that you remind them this is not a competition, that this is a calling. I pray that you remind them that it's not about reaching a number, it's about being obedient. God, I pray that you remind them that even if they don't get the likes that they think they deserve or get the notoriety that they think they deserve, God, I pray that your presence is enough of the assurance that they need right now, God. I pray your peace over their mind. I pray your peace over their spirit. God, I pray that this year, over these next few months, they will experience growth that they've been believing for. God, I pray that you would bring in the harvest, God, and you would bring in the harvest workers, God. We know what your word says, that the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. God, bless them. God, give them a greater heart for their family. Give them a greater heart for their ministry. God, give them a greater heart for their pastors and their staff and in their team. God, would your hand be on everything that they touch in the mighty name of Jesus. And everybody typed, said, commented, amen. God bless you. Listen, I pray that this podcast episode really challenges things in you that need to be challenged. I pray that you see fruit down the road on this podcast. And before you go, I want to remind you, subscribe to it, share it, like it, comment, and we'd love to hear. Honestly, even if you're watching this podcast, and you're like, I would love for Tyshawn to speak on X, Y, and Z. Comment that. Comment what you want me to speak on, and I will be definitely consider on doing that. See you guys later, and goodbye.